0: Bora da friends American this is a little worse. I'm your host, um Mongoose Kikimura and with me as always I have my trusty co host, uh, Jack Carnette, yo buddy, still alive. Still kicking. And uh per usual we're we're just dragging, kicking and screaming, our audio guy from the audio booth to the microphone. Hey John, yo buddy, still
1: alive? Actually, this week I just got back in from the slave market selling a fresh batch of women because I'm a red-pilled anarcho-capitalist. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. Little Wars is now the number one red-pilled anarcho-capitalist uh, podcast on the internet. We are, we are not, uh, we're not right-wing. We are not left-wing. We are anti-statist,
1: man. That's right women are terrible uh divorce if your wife divorces you you can use a mcnuke on her
0: <laughs> as a uh as a member of the AnCap state i am personally an advocate of the mcnuke and a practitioner of the
2: mcnuke um, oh yeah yeah how, how about do, do you buy one get one free uh like no nukes?
0: if you have a coupon. From the
2: uh, and that, yeah. that
0: comes in from the, the rental postal service. You rent a mailbox,
1: right? Oh wait, wait, I just realized how are we gonna get the coupon if we hate women? Because women are the best couponers. mm Damn that,
0: That's why you that's oh. why you own people, right? Because you can own oh, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you own your body. Really? I mean there's not like any higher power or anything or, or, or any like higher metaphysical virtue. No, you just own nope. your body. You own your We're body. We're way
2: too red pilled for that.
0: And you can own other people, <laughs> and and you just own things, right? Yeah, actually, this you is, you own your children too. Actually, this just occurred to me, and I know this isn't a political science podcast or even a metal politics podcast, but wouldn't be making an appeal to some form of abstract higher power uh, as a be a better argument for the abolition of private property than the utility of it from a con- like, just just to the average person, like, why, how the hell are communists like, not done that yet?
1: Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I I am actually in an official contract with a higher being. Uh, I, I'm preparing to rent property in the afterlife based on my performance in this one.
0: Yeah. See, I mean, this just goes to prove that we are better communists than the communists themselves, despite being quote red pilled and caps.
2: Unquote. Yes. That's right. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and
2: we're triggered too. Do you guys feel triggered? I'm actually highly triggered, uh, because because your your argument that you just use why why not use a higher power that was actually used in the uh, in the in the later 19th century uh, by American uh, basically heretical evangelical Christians pushing a lot of this progressive uh, stuff. You can find me one time in
0: American history where uh, low church evangelical Christians have not had like a. A uh, semi-large contingent of them, or even a plurality of them, pushing some bizarre form of heresy or another, I will call you a liar and a fool because that is the uh, that is the history of America right there is weird, crazy, uh, Protestant movements all over the place.
1: Well, you know what they say: variety is the spice of afterlife, and that's why they're all going to hell. <laughs> Oh, well, it's spicy down there. I don't know what to tell you. See, this is this is why all the, uh, y'all need Little
0: cap. Wars. Uh, Little Wars, uh-huh, number uh-huh. one Christian infighting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I okay with yeah, that. I can yeah. imagine if if our if our uh, fans actually wrote in, I can only imagine
1: the kind of fan mail I'm gonna get from that. Oh man, mm. implying yeah. anyone listens. All right,
0: yeah, impi- implying anyone. Any of our listeners are not just like epic pay gang gangers who are like super into the. Epic 40k (laughs)
2: traditional lifestyle.
1: What are you talking about? We lost the entire pagan audience after our review of Vard's game.
2: Yeah, l- let me let me listen. Let me stick up for our three listeners for a second. <laughs> <laughs> what? You, you, me, you, and John? Yes. Okay. Whoa, whoa! We deserve I only to be listen because
1: I have to in order to edit it. Okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we know you go back and listen to it later
2: because you like the sound of your own voice. Don't lie. <laughs> Don't lie. But yeah, no, no, no. As as the resident, <clears throat> as the resident laps Catholic. On here, uh, I su- <laughs> I support our pay gang listeners. Well,
1: okay. well, yeah, I mean, they're they're right in there with you in the same theology. So
2: right,
0: there you oh, go, lapsed exactly. lapsed Catholic. See, see, this is the, the those two words put together are why Martin Luther did nothing wrong. <laughs> no, no, they're like no theology, just that just that. There's so many lapsed Catholics, just like. Oh well, why don't why don't you believe in anything? Well, I just I just lapsed, you know. It's like well, what just does lapsed. that even mean? You just like decided one day. Oh, uh, I I stopped going to church. I guess that means I don't believe
1: in Jesus anymore. What? <laughs> See, in Protestantism, what that would mean—that word "lapsed"—is like you were misbehaving in church, so you go out back and you run laps.
0: <laughs> A Lutheran church, they'll they they'll your your parents will just spank you.
1: <laughs> the- Fair enough.
0: I mean, you see, like, I, I could see like that, uh, that form of like, oh, we're just gonna make you like run until you get muscle cramps, but that's lame.
1: Like, Lutherans. Anyway, <laughs> so on this episode of the Godcast, we'll be reading, uh, reading emails and sneering at people. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best. Episodes wait, wait, wait. Though. So, so that that's actually brings up a funny moment because see, like,
0: if you, if like we're uh we're talking about like spanking kids then i guess there really is a triggered and cap in the equation it's just not uh, us no it's no it's
1: stefan molyneux no it's oh, stefan yeah. molyneux
0: yes uh, oh he's, yeah. he's
1: red-pilled enough to spank his wife and not his child
2: <laughs> well no he's a libertarian that's why he spanks his wife right i'm gonna
0: pretend i didn't hear that <laughs> <Sorry>. um <laughs> Well, the the funny thing about Stefan Molyneux is his entire like anti like child punishment thing stems from children have higher IQs if you uh, if you don't spank them. But he doesn't like he doesn't realize that this is a this is a correlation, so it could be causal yeah. either way. Uh, he claims that not spanking your children will cause them to be smarter. I claim that smarter children don't need to be spanked as much as would most people who aren't Stefan Molyneux and would. You know, look at this in a in a semi rational manner.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, smarter people in general don't commit as many crimes. I mean, they tend to think ahead, yeah, and such. So, so if you have a large population of a certain number of people, say thirteen percent of the population, that does fifty percent of the violent crimes. It's
1: probably related to. I IQ. mean, that's. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's probably related to IQ. That's all I'm well, saying. Well, the, really. the, funny,
0: the funny thing about that is my favorite Stefan Molyneuxism is he claimed that black people have low IQs because they spank their children at a disproportionately mm, high mm, mm. <laughs> rate. Do, do, do I don't reverse? think you even have to be a racist to find that funny.
2: <laughs> do we just reverse engineer Stefan Molyneux's uh, well, cope? He
0: literally says that if you watch his, like, IQ videos, man. Yeah,
1: and his whole thing was that, like, he was beaten as a child, but he's a smarty, so he shouldn't have been? I guess? I don't know. But, uh, well, that's actually not a very good
0: argument, because bell curves exist.
1: Right. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's basically building an ideology based on anecdotal personal experience, right?
0: Yeah, speaking of anecdotal personal experiences. (laughs) Yes. John, what did you do this week?
1: Uh, well, it was, uh, I think it was last week, but, uh, yeah, I played, uh, my brother came up to visit and, uh, we played a board game Pandemic, uh, which there is a video game that's based off of this, which I had experience with, uh, previously, but, uh, the actual board game itself is extremely fun, actually. We'd been playing, uh, Splendor as well, which is a card game. It's very competitive and, uh. Uh, you know, we played rounds of that. And of course there's always a winner and loser in that. And there's backbiting. And then my brother was like, well, you know, we, I also have a, uh, collaborative board game that allows for cooperation and everybody's on the same team and trying to basically compete against the mechanics themselves, which have numerous ways that you can lose. And then, you know, very specific, uh, tasks that need to be undertaken to win. So we cracked that out, uh, played with my parents and, uh, They're older folks, but they were able to handle the rules in this fairly well, Uh, even though it is a little complex. I I will say it's a a little bit more complex than a lot of uh, traditional, you know, old-school American board games. But uh, it's not too bad. There's a number of different counters that you have on this board, things like infection rate and outbreaks, and you have these little tokens that you set there, and then you've got... uh, There's four different diseases, right? So there's the black... The blue, the red, and the yellow. And they don't actually correlate to any real diseases. They're just colors. They're just abstract.
0: Right, just colors. N- not Nothing real. Colors don't mean anything, period. Don't notice anything, right. period. No colors mean nothing. Well, the period. colors are now, all
1: equal. Completely equal. Right. So.
0: Well, yeah, because they're, they're players in the game, you bigot. Um, John, I do have a question, though, seriously. Yeah. Would you say that this was a heated gamer moment?
1: Uh, It got to a heated gamer moment later in the game where we had an infectious outbreak in three adjacent cities that were already at max infection rate. And they exploded to infect the... In- basically, the entire uh sou- southern part of Asia was infected. Uh, right in India, actually, as a matter of fact. And I don't know if you can really draw anything from that. But, uh, yeah, that Ganges River was overflowing. Hmm. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's 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 very much designed to ramp up the tension. It was a very quick game actually, even despite us all learning these things. Uh, the way the game plays, you you it's a lot of card drawing, and then you get a certain amount of actions per turn. Each player gets a different uh, type of uh, like response personnel to deal with this infection so you got your medics, your paramedics, you've got your uh, operator, you've got your engineer, all this kind of stuff they've got uh special powers that each of them can do to work together to uh try and treat this thing and uh it was a very interesting game because for the for ver- like the first maybe half of it it seemed like we had the game in the bag. Everything was out of control. We had two of these diseases cured already. Things were going smoothly. And then based on the game's mechanics and the way that it forces you to reshuffle and add things back to the top of the deck when you co- draw certain cards in a different pile, it's designed to ramp up the tension to an extreme degree towards the end to where like we went from thinking we were no problem shoe in to victory to just on the verge of total defeat all in one go. We thought for a second that we had lost, had to check the like stop and check the rules to make sure that okay, no, this triple like outbreak right next to each other can't like basically do this like chain reaction to the point where we just completely die. So, luckily we didn't, but uh yeah, it was a very close call. We won I think on like the last possible turn to play. Uh but yeah, it was it made for a very intense experience uh it was great with four people. I think four is, I'm pretty sure four is the max. Now that's what I call a
0: victory royale.
1: Yes, thank you, Zoomer. <laughs> but uh, Hey, man, our, uh, our one listener is going to love that, man. Okay. Uh, no, it was a really great game. If you have uh, a group of people that uh, you think would be able to learn it, like I said, it's not that difficult, especially if uh, one person can explain it to everybody else. And, uh, it allowed for a lot of collaboration, like, during other people's turns, discussion on what everyone's planning to do ahead of time and how to help each other out ahead of time. So, uh, it was a really fun, really fun, good game, and, uh, I definitely think there's a lot of replay value just because of how, you know, the, the, when you shuffle the deck, like, I mean, the game can turn out extremely different from one game to the next. Plus, they've got a bunch of expansions. Uh, my brother had one of the expansions, but we didn't play it, uh, didn't have time to get into the expansion, so... There's a lot of extra content out there as well that can just make it uh, make it pretty interesting for quite a while.
0: Hmm. That sounds like a pretty good game, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, I don't know. It sounds
0: like something you could play with friends. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, or, or, yeah, it'd be good to have around, like, it's always good to have games that are, like, not difficult to learn on the fly, so you, if you have people over, you can play them, right?
1: yeah i think you could you could pick this game up for instance a lot easier than you could like say a long game of risk or something like that it it only took like uh, maybe 45 minutes in total to play it that surprises me yeah and that was including learning everything
0: there's a uh there's a great game called uh I, i talk about it a lot but again in that same vein of games that are pretty easy to pick up and put down is uh Code Names, which is a great board game. Uh, I'm not going to go into the description here, but go ahead and look it up if you're interested. It's it's team-based apples to apples, but also with elements of like Minesweeper is the best way I can think of, of describing it. It's a very fun game, and it's a lot of fun if you know the people you're playing with because they'll uh, they'll kind of again like with apples to apples, it's a word game, so you can actually have a lot of fun there. And naturally there's an adult version. And if you have to play the adult version to have fun, you're a Cretan. Um, it's like
1: Oh, that's the one with the little little like cards with pictures on it that you interpret.
0: Uh no, that's that's yeah, not codenames. Is... Yeah, it is code. Codenames just... you have word cards and you have like a, a hidden grid that only two people can see, one for each team. And what they're doing is they give like one word clues to try to get their teammates to match to the cards in the there's a car a grid of like word cards and then there's the master grid that tells you which cards match to which team and they're trying to get their teammates to match the cards together by giving them one word clues and that's a lot of fun
1: right uh i have played codenames pictures which is a a, it's a version of codenames that uses these weird abstract pictures of things instead of the actual words and that was it, it basically otherwise is the same mechanics definitely recommend it that was a lot of fun
0: yeah, codenames in most of its iterations, apart from the adult iteration, because adult iterations of games are trash, and you should feel trash if you have to play them to have a good
1: time. Well, it's ironic, right? Because it's like it's never actually an adult version; it's a very juvenile version.
0: Yeah, it's it, It's like asking the question, like, why would I want to play, I don't know, Cards Against Humanity when I could play Apples to Apples? Because I can have a lot, like. You get some beers and play apples to apples with the boys. You're gonna have like a ton more fun because you'll be coming up with crazier stuff. Uh, just, if you let,
1: <laughs> I just looked up the adult version of code name. This is so immature.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's always just like it's got uh, rectum, stuff that we'd have to bleep out of the knob. program.
1: Oh, I can't say that. Oh, okay. Yeah, we Never can't. Mind.
0: Well, I mean, really, I mean, we could bleep it out, but it's like, what's the point? Like, everybody kind of knows it's like. It's, it's basically like, you know, that picture of those four dudes from the old Spider-Man cartoon, and they're all, like, grinning really weird, and it's captioned, like, me reading the definition of sex from the dictionary to the boys. Like, that's, that's <laughs> the game, right? But, but me talking about that, rather than doing it, is actually more funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to read the definition of sex next time. No, next, no, I'm, I'm going to invite no, my friends not. over. I'm going to have the dictionary open and I'm just going to be, they're going to be like, where's the game? And I'm going to be like, this is the game. This is, I'm just going to read cards against
0: humanity is just the, is just looking up naughty words in the dictionary with your like middle school buddies, but an actual game you paid money for as opposed to stealing your parents dictionary. So it's like even more pathetic. I'm sorry, but I see cards against humanity as like the, the lowest rung of all board games, like monopoly, like
2: kids, monopoly, is better than Cards know. Against Humanity. I don't know. I was about, about to that. say you—you you better not be uh, slandering uh, kids Monopoly because I have a lot of good memories from it. <laughs> uh, I can't well,
1: stand Monopoly. Uh, well, oh, sorry, yeah, I, sorry, I, sorry, sorry. I, I, sorry. I meant, that, but... a, as a red-pilled anarcho-capitalist, Monopoly yeah. is my favorite game.
2: <laughs> right, of course. I was about to say. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I forgot,
2: guys. I'm sorry. Not very base and red-pilled, my friend. <laughs>
0: I mean. Monopoly is not a bad game. It's just a poorly designed game. Which is. I, but again, the concept of Monopoly isn't intrinsically bad the way the concept of Cards Against Humanity is just. I just find it repulsive. It's just. It's offensive for the sake of being offensive. It's like Adult Swim at a certain point. Like, oh, Mongoose, uh, do you watch all right, Family Guy?
1: Alright, old man, right, man Mongoose. Alright. Alright, we get it. We get it.
0: Let me, go, let me go take a sip of prune juice really fast. Yeah, wait a second, the wait a palette. second. In the, in the five minutes, you went from calling me a Zoomer to a to a freaking like,
1: geriatric. What's wrong with you? You're a schizophrenic, I don't know what to tell you. You're bipolar here, I don't know. <laughs> schizophrenic, bipolar, pick your insults and stick to it, man. I'm just going like full shotgun approach right here.
0: That's not how you do it, Chief. That's just not how you do it.
1: Yeah, well, it's working for yeah. me. Yeah. Anyway, n- <laughs> we get it. You, you don't like Cards Against Humanity. Nobody brought up Cards Against Humanity. So well, let's- okay,
0: whenever you bring up <laughs> board games or board games come up, I will find a way to complain about that game because oh I just, gosh. I'm sorry, but I vitriolically hate Cards Against Humanity.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I hate
0: Cards Against Humanity more than I hate anything <laughs> I can think of off the top of my head right now.
1: Okay, here's what you do. Here's here's I got it, guys. Cards Against the Emperor. It's the 40K expansion of Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> oh, I could I could make this.
2: I know. That's a good idea.
0: <laughs> you could sell it and you could sell it to like soy boy lore fags and they'd just get like
2: um they get really mad. Uh, I, no, they'd just be like No, they I wouldn't get mad. They just give you no. tons of money. Yeah. I was I was about to say no, we'll just get rich. Yeah, they'll be like yeah. I got that reference.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> soy boy lore fags like the people that uh are like talking to me like Talk about forty K lore on the podcast. Okay, no. Don't
1: insult our listeners, you dumbass. If
0: <laughs> this person was not a listener and never will listen, I'll be surprised if he actually listens to this. So.
1: <laughs> oh, Alright. Yeah, stop
2: insul- insulting Corbo. Corbo <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Our listeners. Alright. Hey, right. Is Corbo a listener? I don't, no. I don't think so. Shout okay. out to
0: Corbo if he's a listener. <laughs> he's Actually, that's yeah.
1: that's fair because he gave me a shout out on uh, Nat's show, Dope Movies and Shows, like four months ago, and I only just listened to it yesterday, and I felt pretty bad.
0: <laughs> well, shout out to Corbo. He's a solid dude. Um, if you don't watch his dub of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, you should, even though it's only like four episodes. Um, okay, it's five. Corbo's Five, sorry, five. Corbo's a solid dude, so everybody should should check his stuff out on right-wing entertainment squads. Speaking of people we know that are quality people, Mm -hmm. Jack, what did you do last week?
1: (laughs) Did you talk to anyone quality? Because you aren't. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah
1: right. Oh, 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 oh thank you, John. It. I appreciate. I appreciate
2: it. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, la- last week I painted some space marines. Oh, that's you did. right. That's right. I painted space marines. <clears throat> wow. But not just normally painted space marines though. Whoa. I can't just normally paint them, right? Last week I painted about thirty space marines. No, more like thirty-two space marines. And I uh, I used the, I was I and I use the new contrast paints that GW released. I know. I know. Don't 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 ask me all the questions at once about I wasn't
1: paints. planning on it.
2: Right, exactly. So I, I don't know I don't know where to begin with them. I mean I so so one of the first things you're probably going to see with these things is that they're about like like the pot size. Like they're about the size of a wash pot. Uh but Jack I mean what? How big is
0: a wash pot? Uh it's a,
1: It depends it's on how much pot you have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean God damn it. I, well, Jack, I'm not I'm not a trying to be pedan- I'm I'm not trying to be pedantic here, but I'm just going to go over this for the audience really fast. A pot of paint is what paint comes in. That's the little container. Uh, A normal GW paint pot is maybe like, I don't know, it's like 0.8 of an inch across, and it's about like an inch tall. Um, And it kind of tapers off. It looks kind of like a gumdrop, and it's got paint in it. And a wash pot is about twice that size. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many fluid ounces it holds off the top of my head, so don't ask me, but that's, that's about what you're looking at.
2: Yeah, it's it's not it's not very big. However, a normal GW uh GW pot of paint can usually last you quite a while because you're thi- you're thinning it down. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stories about people just applying the the Citadel paint directly to their model and it and it gets all gunked up and, you know, the paint's really thick and everything. So, I mean, it's it's fairly well known that you're supposed to thin your paints, right? And all that other stuff. Uh, GW released a new uh, a new uh, uh, line of paints called Contrast paints, and these Contrast paints are different. First of all, they're different in their chemical composition. Uh, they're not uh, they're not like regular uh acrylic paints that GW well, or Citadel, I guess I could I should well, say. Well that releases. that
0: goes without saying. Like a wash is chemically different from paint, glaze is chemically different yeah. from the paint. The different types of paint they have, where they have like the base coat and the layer or whatever, are slightly chemically different and have different viscosities if you ever pay attention to them. I that's mean,
2: that's true, but I mean generally speaking right, so so generally speaking, you're not going to notice a difference between a base coat and a layer layer paint i mean obvious there's there's an obvious difference with a wash because the wash is highly thinned down and you know you apply i've
0: it. noticed a difference between a base coat and a layer coat let me tell you <laughs>
2: like yeah but yeah right i mean i mean layers are are uh, are slightly more see-through uh they go on a little bit thinner but uh but generally speaking uh Bases are, I mean, I mean, the Citadel has has a whole like method of painting, right? You uh, you prime it in whatever color you want, uh, that's usually either white or black, although they now have colored uh primers, so that's usually off the table now, and then you base it right in some sort of uh, in some sort of base paint, and all of these, all of these uh, all of these uh, base layer wash are all at the bottom of the pot so you know what you're buying right it'll it'll tell you like you know this is uh this is uh uh what's what's one of them uh um uh uh, laramin medium and it's a uh, it's a technical paint right so it'll say that laramin medium technical paint or uh or ultramarines blue and it'll say base Uh, And I'll say base right below it.
0: If you want to avoid all of this hassle, what you can do is if you have a local Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby (laughs) will put 20% off coupons in the paper. And over time, you can go to the Hobby Lobby, go to the models section, and find a good selection of Vallejo paints, and you can buy those at 20% off. And then you can go on the internet and find a basic painting tutorial and figure
2: out what you got to do.
1: Yeah, just get one of your woman slaves to check through the coupons.
2: There you go. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I honestly paint. I honestly paint my models in a combination of of Citadel and Vallejo. I actually mostly paint my models with Vallejo, and every once in a while, like like I'll find a find a Citadel color that I like, and I'll go out and buy that. But most of the time, it's Vallejo, actually uh but getting back getting back to contrast paints though the uh i i did a few experiments with them uh for uh first off i took a few uh do uh, you ever models. actually tell
0: the audience what a contrast paint is supposed to do or be <sighs> fine i'll do that well we so- got to do that we're reviewing well, the product yeah. or we're talking I, about it. Yeah, we're
2: talking about it. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so what does uh, a contrast paint do, Jack? A contrast paint is something that you can just put your brush in, right? And, and, and just, I, I'm not, I'm not even sure how to, uh, how to explain it. You, you, you All just, right. you just, Would I, you just I? paint. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. You just paint <laughs> the model without any kind of, uh, Without any kind of uh, thinning agent or any kind of uh, um, strategy to it whatsoever, right? You just take okay. your model. You just take your prime model, right? You have to prime it first. This is not a primer, uh, and you have to prime it a color that's not black because that's one of the first things I did is I tried to uh, paint a black model with contrast paints, and let me tell you, it's not. It's not. It doesn't turn out very well. It's way too see-through. So, uh, so you just take a model with that's primed and you just, you just glob it on. You just grug brain it on and it'll, it'll seep into the cracks and everything. Now, if you want to get good at painting with contrast paints, what i found was probably the best uh, strategy to do with them is to paint the model in sections.
0: So, so when you're so so to clarify to the audience, a contrast paint is a sort sort of glaze-like paint. And the idea is that cow. the pigment is uh, non-uniformly distributed in the paint itself, and that when you paint it on, the pigment will seep into the recesses. Um, so normally, when you paint something, you want to do darker layers on the bottom, and then you. Uh, paint the raised areas of the model in lighter colors to simulate the effects of shading and shadowing in real life. If you were to look at say a um, an object in front of you that's uh, supposed to be uniform in color and you hold it up to the light you'll notice that different parts of the object are shaded different uh, actual colors because of the way the light falls on them. So what contrast paints do is that when you paint them on the model in theory the darker concentrations of the pigment seep down into the model and do all of that shading for you so you don't have to use five or six different colors or in some cases three or four and you don't have to do so many
2: layers that's the idea in theory correct correct and uh and i actually use the system to paint about 30 marines and not a lot of time it took me about a night to do it and and that's that's pretty quick I have to I have to give them props. Like like you can do a lot of models very quickly with this. So
0: Okay. But how did it actually work? We know that it doesn't work with a black primer, but, but how did yeah. it how was how is the quality as opposed
2: to your usual technique? Well, so so that that's the other thing. Uh, I believe it was actually Miles Poland that pointed this out, is that is that if you hold up if you like, like, let's say you you take the time to actually find uh, the correct paints that contrast that the contrast paint that you're using would simulate, and you actually painted a model with them, and then use contrast paints on the second model. If you hold the two models up to to each other, you can definitely tell the contrast paint one. It has a very it, it's very distinctive, and I and it, it's it's just it's just very it it's it' it almost looks like you use the exact same uh color obviously you use the exact same color but 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 it's almost like you used all layer right it it just it just kind of it just kind of uniformly goes over the whole thing so it's not like it's not like you used you know it, it you know you can't you can't see you can't really see the raised areas more so than the the uh, the lower areas is I guess is the best way to explain it so it doesn't it doesn't actually do what you are describing very well it does do it but it doesn't do it very well that's that's I think the biggest issue that I've found with them does that make sense
0: I think yeah and and really I, I've looked at um, some work people have done with them ah uh, I think they work a bit better if you thin them down. That's what I've heard. And, uh, so I've heard from people that do 1-100 scale painting that it actually works pretty well for 1-100 scale infantry just because of the mm-hmm. size and levels of detail on the model. It doesn't really work so well with larger models though, if, but it works if you thin it down. Um, I think that ultimately this product, uh, it's an attempt by GW to lower the, uh, the, the barrier to entry for having a painted 40k army. Um... For its uh, for the fan base they're trying to accumulate now, obviously. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be successful. I think we're going to end up filing this one away with uh, GW brand brush on primer. In the <laughs> things that were gr- that, sounded yeah. like great ideas in a boardroom pitch, but in practice are not the greatest thing in the world, and nobody who knows what they're doing
2: actually goes and buys. Well, and that's that was the other thing I wanted to talk about, is that there have been people out there that have tried to do a lot of interesting stuff with the contrast paints. There was one person in particular that I found that, uh, that had a pretty good tutorial on how to make non-metallic metals, uh, basically uh, making something look metallic without actually using one of the metallic paints on it and and he used contrast paints but he had to highly modify them like he had to he had to mix them together and he had to thin one out and then make one make another one thicker so you know it yeah i don't i i i think that i think that what gw is going for is probably is probably not what is going to come out of it basically I mean I think I think as far as a glaze goes it's 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 an okay glaze. That's the other thing about it is that these pots cost $8 a piece at my local uh at my local fantasy shop. I don't know if I like that. That's a lot of money for paint.
0: It is I mean it's a lot more money than you're paying for GW and you're paying out the nose for uh, Citadel brand paints anyway. So I right. would I would advocate a hard um i would advocate a hard uh, hard avoid on the contrast paints from what i've seen and i think jack would
2: second that see i don't i don't i'm not exactly sure i agree with you i think they do have a role uh, one of the things that i notice people have been doing with them that i think is probably their niche if they if they do have a niche uh is making a metallic colored uh, armor color. So uh, so you know how people usually paint their Thousand Suns or Alpha Legion in some sort of color that looks metallic, like a, like a teal, you know, that's very shiny. If you use contrast paints along with something like chain metal uh, or some sort of metallic primer, it does make a pretty good uh, uh, pretty good and very quick approximation of that. So that's I think where the niche is probably going to be. I, I, I think I agree with you that it's not going to be like newbie 101, uh, you know, just put on one thick coat and be done with it type of thing because, because I don't I don't see that getting off the ground. But I do think it's good for from a technical paint issue or uh, angle. Angle. Thank you.
0: From the newbie 101 perspective and I will I, I just as a brief aside when it comes to painting if you're if you're out there and you're you want to get uh and you want to learn how to paint and you want to you want to actually sort of build up skill I would I would say the best thing to do is to buy synthetic cheap brushes from Hobby Lobby. Get yourself some some of the Vallejo colors you want, make sure you got black and white to mix in. Uh, so you can get all the shades you want. Uh, just make sure you have a broad range, and then go and uh, go get some Reaper miniatures, the plastic ones. They're cheap. Uh, you can find just about anything you want, um, and you can start painting those, and uh, once you... and and you should look at tutorials, and, and as you learn techniques on these rather cheap miniatures, you're not going to really be using for a ton. Uh, you can kind of branch into whatever you kind of want to do. Uh, that's my personal recommendation, if you personally are just like, I want to get into miniature painting and maybe not anything else. No, naturally, if you're going to play a war game, you're probably going to want to learn quite a bit more about painting before you actually go in and paint something for the first time. Uh, that was my personal major mistake, is that I painted and ruined quite a few models
2: <laughs> before yeah, I... I think, uh, I think I think everyone has that, like first model that they painted i i still i still
0: still keep uh, i still keep some of the first uh guardsmen i painted for 40k and i um i keep them as a reminder (laughs) of my failure well
2: well, and and one thing i would like to add on that is youtube videos youtube videos youtube videos like there is a lot of help out there for new painters and and even some of like the mid-level uh painters out there there are, a, there are a lot of great videos, some of even on the Games Workshop uh, uh, website, the Warhammer community. However, uh, kind of along with that, I would also highly suggest that you do not go to a Games Workshop in order to learn how to paint. Because they're going to push a lot of product on you. Uh, no,
0: go, go to YouTube and whenever they suggest you get something, um, always start with the cheaper version and then learn how to use that before you, uh, before you upgrade. I don't even use anything but synthetic brushes and I'm a fairly respectable painter. And the reason I only use synthetic brushes is because I don't trust myself not to ruin a nice brush. So I'm not going to go buy a nice brush until I feel like that's an
2: adequate investment of my time and money. Yeah, that's, that's just one of the things that you have to, uh, you have to think about is, is adequate investment, right? Like, like, you know, your first, your first, uh, purchase should always be the cheaper versions of whatever you want. But then once you start to, you know, get a little bit more, uh, uh, experience under your belt, you can start, you can start thinking, well, you know, what, you know, do I, uh, do I want to use, you know, the Vallejo, uh, um, uh, uh, i wouldn't even say cheap Vallejo's not really cheap but the vallejo style of this or do i want to use the the technical paint that i saw at you know at citadel vallejo,
0: vallejo's pretty middle of the road and i will say they're yeah. not the highest quality paints available but for what you pay for i think they're the best value
2: and they're
0: they're just the best generally
2: yeah, I mean I mean if you take if you take about two dollars off Citadel, I think that would be pretty uh pretty even in those terms.
0: I know a lot of people swear by the Citadel paints. I I, I don't understand the hype personally. Uh I will I will though say, um the best the absolute best metallics I have ever used were Tamaya metallics that came in these glass jars. Really, uh, Tamaya. Yeah, and you actually cleaned your brush in isopropyl alcohol with them, not uh, not water and not um, not any weird brush brush cleaner. But they were, they have been some of the best. I, I have a, uh, I have some very nice silver from them that I use for uh, yeah. airbrushed aluminum.
2: And See, makes... because I, I've I've always preferred the P three uh metallics but uh but you're saying Tama- i tried Tamiya. those i found
0: them too thin they didn't
2: have enough uh really thin because huh. yeah. i usually have to hmm. interesting yeah i i mean i i, I like uh tamaya uh um technicals like uh like there's this one uh paint i forget i forget what it's actually called but you basically mix it with some glue and you can you can basically create very shiny gore that you can hang from the teeth of you know whatever you want, and it'll freeze and stay like that. And it mixes really well with a lot of uh, with a lot of glue. That's you're
0: talking like PVA white Elmers kind of stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. No, mix that with some white Elmers.
0: I am I am an absolute cheapskate when it comes to paints. Uh, I think that it's really a technique over what you're using. Um so really what matters is to get practice and to get practice you need cheap models and you're not going to do much better for than reaper for cheap models. Um anyway, talking about uh cheap models, maybe not in terms of money but in terms of uh points cost. I actually in the last week had a game of Flames of War with uh with a buddy of mine uh by the name of we'll just call him Geese for the moment. Uh <laughs> and My friend here, you know, I was just kind of hanging out with him, so we we played out of the, uh, for those of you who are not in the know, Flames of War had a nice release for D-Day of a book called Armies of Late War, which was porting um, a lot of their mid-war models that they've uh, done and a lot of the mid-war content they've done into the late war as uh, as basic army lists for like an early 1944 era type deal, Um, but it added a few things like Uh, and they've changed some things about some late war exclusive units that I don't like, or you may like, I don't know. But uh, we played a game, and the game was, he was running a British infantry company backed up with a British armored squadron, uh, which was Sherman tanks with some fireflies mixed in there, and I was running a German panzer grenadier company with half-tracks, backed up by a platoon of Stugs, a uh, Nebelwerfer battery, and a Ferdinand. And it was a... uh, it was a pretty interesting game. Um, we had a pretty interesting uh, terrain deployment, and then we had that one mission where you're coming at each other in sort of an X formation across the board, and really, uh, really the deciding factor there was um, my list was simply more mobile than his was because a lot of his armor was in reserve. And so I just outmaneuvered him, took one of the objectives, and just camped it with, my, uh, with just my tons of infantry, and there was no physical way for him to win the game by the time the objectives went active. Um, the, the real change here though, and, and the, the real thing looking at this uh, going forward, is a lot of light vehicles um, have not changed in price. So while the mid-war meta is dominated by a lot of armored cars, armored cars are proportionally more expensive in the late war now, but a lot of your medium tanks have gone down in price. Shermans are cheaper, and the the, uh, the crews have better ratings. Uh, Fireflies are mad cheap. Panzer IVs are runnable again because they're so cheap. Um, the Ferdinand went from 18 to 13 points, which is absolutely incredible. Even though mine got killed on the second turn by a firefly ambush, uh, they again the, the meta, in my opinion, is likely going to sw- uh, shift towards uh, medium tank spam, um, which is which is. Fine by me because medium tank spam is my favorite thing in the world, and even if the meta doesn't take that shift, that's just what I'm going to be doing, uh, medium tank and Stug spam, and that's uh, that's always going to be my favorite. That's always going to be what I'm doing. Um, beyond that, we do have confirmation that um, in the in the far future, we're going to be getting a plastic mouse tank for the Germans, and I hate this. Makes mouse me... or Mauser? Mouse. You know the big the big tank that everybody memes about, like, oh it's this big no. experimental. Uh,
2: I don't big tank. I don't meme about tanks. Big secret Sorry. Hitler
0: tank. Big tank.
2: Oh, are you talking about the one on like the railroad? Like rail tracks? Uh that, that wasn't a tank, that was a railway.
0: That's a, that's called a railway gun. Oh. Or a rail gun. It was uh it was it's an artillery piece on rail cars. Was this no Was this not basically the Baneblade of
2: its time? Like, uh, like the a, mouse just is, a massive
0: tank it was just this big ass tank that they built a prototype of um, the thing about the mouse though is no road could really like handle it without cracking, bridges would just basically collapse underneath it um, and it would likely sink into most topsoil and be unusable so in every practical regard this is a stupid tank, if you like it you're lame and fake and a nerd and I don't like you and uh, this, is a, this is a horrible <laughs> decision and I don't approve of it. And I hope that the mouse goes the way of the mid-war monsters in that nobody cares about it and runs it. But I just dis- get the distinct feeling that it's going to be a slightly undercosted vehicle and become the new tournament standard. <sighs> Wait, you don't, like, you don't like big tanks? I like big tanks, but I like big, realistic tanks, okay? The Sherman so is a fairly tall big tank. <laughs> baneblade's not realistic. Well, it's semi-realistic, but it's like again, once you're once you're getting into like that weight category, you're reaching levels of absurdity that just especially with the mouse. The mouse is just a horrible idea. And um I uh I, I do not want to live to see the day where uh a lot of your World War 2 games are ruled by uh references to meme vehicles that people think are interesting and funny and cool and uh, aren't fundamentally
2: governed by the the basic principle of what worked and what didn't so so I actually have a question then what do you think of the concept of like the massive like 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 the land ship you know like a massive vehicle that is heavily armored with you know, 11 barrels of hell, basically. Well,
0: let's ask the Soviet Union how that worked. They designed a tank that had, I think, five turrets on it. Um, and awesome. after they designed it, they never built a tank like that ever again.
2: Wait, why? It sounds amazing.
0: What do you mean? Well, okay, let me, let me go through it. So, the reason this is a stupid idea is because a tank has one commander. And the co- tank commander is—it's uh, incumbent on him to choose targets to engage. When you have five turrets, he's being pulled in five different directions.
1: Each turret is his own commander.
0: Right. Well, why can't you just—well, in theory, five but Jack, Jack, but then who decides where the tank goes? The sixth the, commander, the
2: the, the 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 supreme commander. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You have to have a general in one tank. Well, see, in that point, Jack, you are wasting staff. With all these men, you could just be putting them in other tanks.
2: But but they're not in other tanks. They're in one tank that has five turrets. Yeah, but it has five turrets with limited
0: uh, fields of fire. Suppose you had, as opposed to five turrets on one tank, five tanks with 360 uh, degrees of uh, rotation. Uh, the ability to maneuver I and coordinate together with radios i mean that's that's what everybody kind of figured out is everybody looked at this uh this monstrosity and went, yeah no that's not that's not gonna work
2: I see your point
0: i mean th- and I, I I'm not even this isn't my point. this is reality's point because if that was the optimal way to build a vehicle, people would have built vehicles that way after the war
1: whoa, whoa, this is getting uncomfortably close to insisting that I can't have my two-legged battle mechas because they've never existed.
0: Well, if it's a game about battle mechas, sure, but if it's a World War II (laughs) game, no, no, stop, go away. No, you
1: hate them in Warhammer 40k, too, I don't want to hear that. Well,
0: I I, I irrationally hate, well, actually quite (laughs) rationally hate a lot of things in Warhammer 40k because they're designed stupidly. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And I'll be like I don't bitch about like the old box dreadnoughts. I think those actually look pretty alright. And I think Hmm. they're pretty cool.
1: What about uh what about like Battletech's mechs?
0: Uh I haven't seen a lot of Battletech mechs, but they they're too tall for my tastes. And they uh the ones I've seen have looked too thin.
2: Yeah, I I mean I've I played Battle Mech uh way back in the day not not really seriously just kind of uh i just kind of joined a few friends at a table and i can i can honestly say that some of the older versions are just like like i don't i don't really understand how this vehicle stands and continue and and is actually useful on the battlefield feels like all you have to do is push them over (laughs) And they're they're suddenly completely useless, you
0: know. Yes, and this is stupid, and that's the reason why we don't make Battlemax IRL. Um, although if anime Battlemax, sure, great. Uh, Warhammer 40k Battlemax, fake and lame. The main reason, um, because on the inside of every single Warhound Titan is not a cute anime girl in a plug suit. It is rather mm. a weird dude with a bunch of uh, USB cables in his forehead. We know that this is objectively bad. And I don't even need to argue the, the case for it being objectively bad.
2: You just know that. <laughs> yeah, you're but not you wrong. Can, I'm not going to You can put a cute anime girl with with a plug suit in in your Warhound type. Ooh. Or no, can't? Because more specifically GW you can't unite. sculpt
0: good female Models. you there. We like, <laughs> got you there. It, it's not going to be a cute anime girl. It's going to be Serena Williams, and instead <laughs> of wearing a plug suit, she's going to be wearing this weird,
2: ostentatious, bizarre clothing. <laughs> uh, you know what? I forgive you. <laughs> I forgive you. Just, just, be, just because. Just because. I,
0: I don't you. need forgiveness because I'm right. I have committed no <laughs> sin. I tell no lie. <laughs>
2: They hated it because he was right. Yeah. G.W.
0: Sculpting sucks. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't exactly say that my message about the plainly obvious lack of quality in G.W. Female sculpting is necessarily on par with the eternal and, uh, uh omnipresent truth of uh, the literal Son of
2: God, but. I
0: thank you for the compliment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, see, see, no, I forgive you for your for your uh, for your bad um, for your bad opinions about knights because I do like knights. I think I think knights are pretty cool. They they kind of they kind of go into that section of like actually playable battle mechs in 40k, and I kind of do like their design
0: we had actually playable battle mechs in forty K. There were editions where dreadnoughts were playable. What are you talking about? They're still playable. I still use dreadnoughts. Well, yeah, I mean they're playable in eighth edition, but you're like actually playable battle mechs like dude you have dreadnoughts. What are you talking about? What
2: do you want about man? Yeah, but, but sometimes you want sometimes you want a massive battle mech on the table that towers over everything. I mean I mean a a, a dreadnought may be taller than everything, but he doesn't really tower. You know, you need something that towers
1: like a, what is it? Titan or what's the name of the big one?
2: Yeah, basically. Well, I mean, I mean, they're all Titans, but yeah, hmm. yeah, they're Titans. They're Titanic.
1: Anyway, titanically lame. Oh, <laughs> OK, <laughs> fine.
2: <laughs> Whatever.
1: I, I Sorry, I had to go for the
0: cheap easy shot.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: So, I is know. that does that fill our like mandatory weekly quota for forty k posting?
0: Uh, just let me get one more dig in on Gmail <laughs> female face sculpts. Uh, okay, every no, G- please G- do. Every GW female facial sculpt exists in the uh in the purgatory between Alana Chichesku and Serena Williams.
1: I don't know who that first one is but the second one yeah. is on. Point.
0: Elena Ceaușescu is the hideous abomination of a, of a wife the uh, dictator the communist dictator of Romania had. She legit if she was a she she looked like a man. Like like Bruce Jenner levels of like trying Ooh. to look like a woman and failing. Like this is this is like Wait, another is, level of
2: ugly. Was this was this that Jewish woman that like tortured a lot of people? No, 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 you're thinking somebody yeah. else. Oh, okay.
1: All right. <laughs> Different ugly wife of a dictator, apparently.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean there are dime a dozen over there. What can right,
1: I say? Right, right. Yeah.
2: I would I would like well yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll save it for I'll save it for afterwards. That was what Go that ahead. was the
1: sister of battle, wasn't it, that you posted that uh, yeah, so... I like post
2: that, Sister of Battle, and she of oh, a and she has a They Williams looking face. They all look terrible. They mean, look universally. Well... mean, almost universally.
1: Well. Yeah,
0: but, okay, Jack, here's the thing is, that's not an excuse, because we have other games with female models, and the female models look nice. I I agree with you! In- I agree with you! In Drop Zone Commander, a 15mm war game, (laughs) they managed to make, like, female models that have, like, nice asses. I don't know how that works, okay? And GW can't make a semi-attractive or, like, even, like, not hideous female face- how
2: well what's really infuriating i think though is that is that there are i feel like i i like the grayfax model i thought the grayfax model turned out okay but so so it's almost like it's almost like okay so we're going to make 100 models 100 female models and one of them is going to look good so you know that we can do it but we're just not we're just going to make all of them look like serena williams except this one model that we're going to give you.
0: Inquisitor so, Greyfax is I mean she's like the upper echelons of like quality models for them but it's like uh, like even then that's like a bit of a stretch to say it's like I'm sorry man it's just <laughs> GW has always been diverse because every single one of their models, by their own standards, is androgynous. Because all their female models also have men's faces.
1: I don't even know if it is a man's face in this case. It's just, it's designed to such a degree that it doesn't even look human. It's got such a triangular brow. It's like some... It's like a crow magnum that ran into a wall at a high speed. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I... Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just saying, like, it's all—it's all bad. It's, it's all, all bad. bad.
1: Yes. I mean, I'll give you that.
0: It just—it's just so disappointing because you're paying a lot of money for these models, and you're paying more for models that are more like you could pay less for more attractive female sculpts. Female faces are better on, um, on like let me think here. What was that company I mentioned earlier? Uh... Reaper. Reaper does better female faces. A lot of yeah, the Reaper packaging has a big titty succubus on the back of it as well.
2: On the back I agree the with that. They, they also make very good elf females.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they make good female models of all sorts.
1: What's weird is that you, you'd think 40k would put the effort in to make the, at least their Slaneshi models look good, but even those are hideous. Like, well, that's so. kind of the bit there, though. Right? Yeah, that's like,
2: <laughs> yeah, you you have to understand that the Slaneshi models are trying to do like the male female thing, and it looks it looks.
1: Oh. Yeah. oh okay. You're
0: doing so this that's... contrapoints
2: bit.
1: So they're not they're not at all like uh Ma draw threads that I've seen. No. Okay. No. Okay. They're they're
2: more like they're more like yeah Ma <sighs> contrapoints Ma, trannies basically. But but there are some really good uh, third-party Slaneshi models that look amazing. And actually look female. Third-party? Yes, that's... Uh, that, <laughs> there you go. If you're going to play 40k, you should probably invest heavily in third-party models.
0: Hey, John, would you, would you very much like to uh, pull another lever on the Mongoose right-again counter? <laughs> oh
1: God. I would, but it broke off somewhere around three, and I just stopped counting. <laughs> <sighs>
0: hey, doesn't matter. I'm right about this one.
2: I don't even know why I'm exasperated about. You're <laughs> exasperated about
1: about being proven objectively wrong. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say we word. we we've had an interesting discussion about. Like, I I've been trying to figure out as well the whole thing about why people are so invested in 40k when it's very obvious that the creators of it hate you and want <laughs> they want to to, to change the creators you of know? it hate
0: you yeah that's, that's they like, do that's like they it, do. They,
1: right they do they do i mean right am i wrong in that they seem to hate no, their no, own you're not, audience you're
0: not wrong i mean you're objectively correct in my view i think that gw i i fundamentally think that games like you play Warhammer forty K long enough, you become a masochist. And that's why like the overblown mm. torture stuff in the setting, like, appeals to so many of them. It's not because they're like, Oh man, it's so hardcore and edgy. It's more like it's more like Daddy Imperium, please please hit me harder, oh whoa. Like that's their bit. Like that's that is the that is the Warhammer fanboy taken taken to his logical conclusion over a long enough period no. of time.
2: <laughs> more like more like I found a faction that I really like, so I'm going to collect this faction. It's like, I I, I don't, like, honestly... See, most... like,
0: it's gotten so bad that you're just trying to counter this bit with reality. <laughs> well, yeah, I counter everything with reality. But, I mean... Except when you were, and... like, aggressively asserting that Inquisitor Greyfax
2: was an quality model. But that is also reality. I think the Inquisitor Greyfax model is fine. For... <sighs> for... For an individual model it's perfectly fine what i'm trying to point out here though is that most people either use uh converted models third-party models or models that are like 10 plus years old right or good models that have come out recently but but they don't just like they don't just blindly buy all the good model or, or all the models that have come out recently like i'll give you an example uh the Admech, the Adeptus Mechanicus, they have some pretty good models in there. I have seen very, very few cata catafron, whatever they're called, the uh the guys on tracks. Because honestly, I don't think most people like those models. Hmm.
0: Yeah, because so, they're butt ugly.
2: Yeah. Like a lot weird. of the other stuff in that game. <laughs> <laughs> well you just you just you just keeping a Debbie Downer, alright? Well, you know what? You know what? I'll be I'll be a Debbie Downer
0: with my nice looking, you know, Hugo Boss designed uniformed models. I don't know what to
1: tell you, chief. (laughs) Anyway, my point was, I don't understand why people have what seems to be such a deeply set emotional attachment to a game that is being run by people who very clearly seem to despise their own core audience. And is, is this some sort of a coping mechanism? Is it sunk cost fallacy?
2: Jack, why do you do this? What, is everyone just going to beat up on me? This. Uh, well, of you're course, the 40k yeah.
1: guy. If you'd like to pull another 40k
2: player into the discussion. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you're our well, punching
1: bag. Thank you for coming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's not necessarily a sunk cost fallacy. It's more like I enjoy playing this game with my friends. And I enjoy uh, painting and building these models. And I also enjoy converting a lot of them, right? Like you know finding finding other uses for the bits that they have and and you know creating interesting new models with with other pieces that's ba- that's basically my my the reason why I play 40k mm. okay
1: mm,
2: that see but that's that's the difficulty there is
0: when you're looking at this what you have is you're out here saying well, I like this, this, this and this, but everything you listed I can get from another war
2: game. Okay, but can you get the player base though? Because I can go into pretty much any fantasy shop and and play somebody in forty K.
1: Right. So it's it's literally just the cultural momentum. It's the reason why people still go to see Star Wars because uh, it has the label no, Star Wars, no, even though it's no. not actually still Star Wars.
0: It does,
2: no, that doesn't. That doesn't.
0: Jack, fight. Jack, let me let me let me give you a counterpoint on that. Is when you say it has the player base, that's irrelevant to me. Why? Do you know why that's irrelevant? Well, because you play Flames of War, and
2: Flames of War has a pretty good. Well, game. no,
0: it's irrelevant in the abst- in the abstract sense. It's irrelevant because even though Flames of War has a pretty big player base on its own, sure, um, it's irrelevant to me because any large enough game will you know, have tournaments that you can go travel to. But I'm not a nomad. I'm not just going to fantasy stores across the United States to go get pickup games. I'm going to my local shop. There's True. plenty of other games people in my local shop play, and I could pick up one of those games and play it with one of the guys uh, if I wanted to get a game of something and get that same enjoyment. I mean, there's no reason I have to specifically play 40K. Uh and Admittedly... And I, don't,
2: and I don't specifically play 40K either. I play other games. We know you do. We know you do. We're just giving you a hard time. I know.
1: know. It's like a 40Kers anonymous meeting. I know. It's like, stop attacking me.
2: You're all attacking me.
1: Anyway, I'm sorry, Jack. You're fine. We don't hate you. We just hate everything about you. (laughs) We just hate your decisions. (laughs) We just hate your life decisions. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. No, I mean...
2: Yeah, and I can I, I also have more bitching to do about contrast paints. But...
1: <laughs> okay, oh, well geez. it's gonna I... be a recurring. We need to have a jingle like Jack bitches about contrast paints. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. Contrast paints,
2: they the, suck. The, <laughs> they suck. What's the worst thing about contrast paints? Well, let me tell you the worst thing about contrast. Well, paints. the worst thing about
0: contrast paints is that they're made by GW, which is a horrible corporation and needs to be destroyed. Not in like a not like a Minecrafty sense, but like GW needs to be uh, destroyed for exploitative business practices and generally just being awful. The, you know, you know, when you think about it, like how do you make someone not a red pill and cap? You show them the business practices of Games Workshop. That's what you do. Bring us full mm. circle.
2: Yeah, I don't know. the The one thing that I am really disappointed about is I thought these were better. You know like they were
1: certainly sold as being better i mean damn
2: yeah yeah exactly if you look at any of the you know the advert production material or even or even all the videos on youtube
1: well, and like you guys all... were even you guys were even actually worried that this would be like you know the the end of like actual artisan craftsmanship yeah. in in model painting because it would make everything too easy and now it's like, "Oh, that I can
2: th- that I didn't can honestly <laughs> I can honestly dispel those rumors right now."
0: What's this yeah. trash? I mean, it's it's GW releases another bad overpriced product.
1: News at yeah, 11. <laughs> exactly.
0: Like well, if, from if the these... sounds
1: of it, if it was reasonably priced, it would be a nice tool to have in your like artistic cabinet, right?
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But That's the true. problem yeah. with
1: it is the problem with it is that it's oversold and it's overhyped.
2: Or like over
1: like overpriced. I mean, overpriced and
2: overhyped. If these pots sold for like four bucks or something, like like I could paint an entire army for four bucks. I think I'd I think I'd, you know, I'd invest in that. But, you know, it's like eh. Eh yeah. If you want to
0: paint an entire army in an evening, just play a skirmish war game.
2: <laughs> right. Six models, one really big.
1: <laughs> Wait, what? I, one really um, big? Which one?
2: Uh
0: so some skirmish war games will have like uh a team of dudes and you'll have like maybe five to fifteen dudes, and then maybe you'll have three big mech dudes or three big yeah. monster dudes.
1: Mm. Now see that? That sounds like it could be fun.
0: Yeah, they tend to yeah, be a it is. more fast-paced.
1: What if they created an entire role-playing game around giving each one of those individual like miniatures a personality, and then had them go through an area and interact Whoa. with the like the enemies Whoa. in that area. I'm
0: I'm smoking a little bit of weed here and I think I think maybe <laughs> if we just made it like satanist and like got some like uh some moms really angry about it, I think that could be like a cultural touchstone, man.
1: Oh, you mean the Dead Space <sighs> 2 marketing campaign?
0: Uh, no, no, man, earlier than that, man, like Oh. Maybe if we lived in a basement in Wisconsin, man.
2: <laughs> John John, have you tried D&D? <laughs> Uh, yes, actually. I have
1: taken several D&Ds. And they were okay. very bad sessions. <laughs> very bad sessions. <laughs> I
2: hallucinated. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. We, we... Dude, I... Do you have no idea like, the... Uh, I encountered some terrible block text, dude.
2: Block text?
1: You guys know what block text is? Like, the, the, um... Uh, the adventures or whatever the modules they have block text which is like the little squares where the game master has to sit down and start reading out like you walk into a cave the walls are 54% humidity covered in a green algae with little buds on it and like just all of this random stuff that's supposed to set the mood but has nothing to do with anything you can interact with (laughs) you guys don't you've never been through that huh
2: no, well, I mean, i, I mean, I've not as the GM, but you I never know what played you're it.
1: You about. never played in a module, though.
2: No, I—I I played in a module. It's just—it's oh. just most GMs that I played with usually take that block text and like, or that text in a block and like do something else with it. They don't yeah. actually read it.
1: That's called being an actual game master. But sir, I have played with dungeon masters, <laughs> and dungeon masters will. St- take you through each paragraph and read the damn paragraph in lieu of actually doing any work, because that's how you play Dungeons & Dragons.
2: So they'll do it all monotone?
0: If you need a module to play Dungeons & Dragons, you're an asshole.
1: No, you're just an uncreative loser. Or lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could be a nice, lazy person. Or a nice, uncreative person. Mm. I guess. Although, if you're lazy and uncreative, you shouldn't be offering your services as a dungeon master, so that does kind of make you an asshole, so never mind, you're right. But wait,
0: modules are, in my opinion, intellectual theft that you morally justify <laughs> to yourself by paying for it.
1: Ooh. I, I'd agree with that. Whoa, whoa. That's an interesting rabbit hole, though, because then how far do you take that? If you play in somebody else's setting, is that intellectual theft? Well, no, that's... See, that's
0: to me it's the difference it's the difference between like entirely copying everything somebody says and believes somebody else versus mm. having an ideology a setting is a set of like priors that you use with your players to format the story it's a set of trappings it's a set of priors like everybody kind of it's a baseline right but a module it's literally the entire thing you don't you don't do anything there right. if you are using the module especially if you're using it like rote. Now, i don't disagree with the idea of maybe reading modules for inspiration. I think that's a great idea. Um, But I don't think that running modules is really a good idea. I think what you're doing there is you're just stealing something that somebody else made and justifying it to yourself by paying for it. It's intellectual whoredom and prostitution. And it's evil and bad. Mm. And it is yet another symptom of uh, neoliberal globalist capitalism that needs to be destroyed. Mm. Mm. Vote for the Syrian Social National Party.
1: Make Game Masters be creative again. Alright, folks, so this is the part of the show where we segued into another topic that we intend to save for a later date, and then uh, decided not to cover it now. At which point, Jack thought that we were done, so he stopped recording. So, this is John... Filling in for Mongoose from the editing booth. Signing off and wishing you all a great week. And if you want to stick around for the comedy that uh, ensued once we realized Jack had stopped recording, then uh, stick around till after the outro. Otherwise, have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Little Wars. For more traditional gaming autism, head over to littlewars.home.blog. That's Little Wars, all together, no spaces, dot home dot blog have a great week and many epic gamer moments
0: I mean, it really is like, if you really want to get really in-depth about rules, go play Advanced Squad Leader, nerd.
1: We sh- you should do a review on that one day.
0: The problem with reviewing Advanced Squad Leader is A, uh, I don't think I have enough hard s- space on my hard drive for the entire thing, and B, I don't think that... Jack, we're still recording.
1: Yeah, Jack, did you stop recording? Yeah, he and he
0: sent you the link.
1: We haven't we haven't signed out. No, I said why don't oh, we just my... skip and we started oh, talking well, about something else.
0: <laughs> well, oh well, I guess we'll just have to make do with whatever Jack has.
1: <sighs> we haven't signed out. We haven't said goodbye. Why would you stop? <laughs> we kept talking. <laughs>
0: It was good content too. <laughs> no, ah! I'm gonna. Oh. Oh. oh.
1: <laughs> Look, I will. I'll literally just piece together your and my conversations. Jack will be quiet for the last 15 minutes.
0: <laughs> okay. Um. Yep. Yeah, everybody, this has been Little Wars.
1: Uh... Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Jack, are you recording? Jack, are you recording yourself saying goodbye? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodbye. Good- uh,
0: <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I wish I knew how to just say, like, just fucking kill me in Welsh because I'd say it right now and it sounds so excellent. Oh. <laughs>